0: To receive any of the Bible resources mentioned in this broadcast, call 800-835-6747. Once again, that's 800-835-6747. Now, here's your host from Amazing Facts International, Pastor Doug Batchelor.
1: Hello, friends. Would you like to hear an amazing fact? In August 2013... Tony Yali was declared dead when his heart stopped beating for 45 minutes. After heroic efforts failed to revive the 37-year-old diesel mechanic, nurses invited the family in to see the body and to bid farewell. That's when Yali's distraught teenage son, Lawrence, told his father, Dad, you're not going to die today. Suddenly, he noticed a flicker on the heart monitor. Dr. Raja Nazir, his cardiologist at Kettering Medical Center, told ABC News, I thought we better make another effort to revive him. Incredibly, the effort succeeded, and he soon had a normal heartbeat. Tony was back home in a few days, having no physical side effects from the experience, and then returned to work. Doctors think it might have been a viral infection. Tony's wife, Melissa, said she, Lawrence, and the people from their church who were praying were certain they witnessed a miracle. Even the doctor used the word miracle to describe what occurred. The other interesting fact is that Tony Yale had absolutely no memory of the entire ordeal from when he went to bed on August 4 until he woke up in the hospital. So why is it so many people claim supernatural visions when they have a near-death experience? Stay with us, friends. We're going to learn more on this edition of Bible Answers Live.
0: You're listening to Bible Answers Live, accurate and practical answers to your Bible questions.
1: Welcome, listening friends, to Bible Answers Live. And if you have a Bible question, we'd encourage you to pick up the phone and call in. We will do our best to give you a Bible answer. 800-463-7297. That number is an acronym for 800-God-Says. 800-463-7297 brings you into the program. And we're not only going out over hundreds of radio stations a Sirius XM satellite across the country, and Facebook. If you want to watch the program, uh, you can see what's happening here in the studio by going to either the Amazing Facts Facebook page or the Doug Bachelor Facebook page. And I am Doug Bachelor,
2: And my name is John Ross. Good evening, friends, and Pastor Doug, as we always do, let's start the program with prayer. Dear Father, once again, we are grateful for the opportunity to open up your Word and study together. And we do pray that you would be with us here in the studio as we... Open the Bible and study and be with those who are listening, wherever they might be, in their car or at home. And we pray, Lord, that we would, by your grace, be able to bring some clearer understanding to your word, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Doug, you opened the program by talking about one of those near-death experiences. And this one in particular is rather remarkable, where his heart stopped not just for a few minutes, but for an extended period of time. What, about 40 minutes?
1: Well, they say 45 minutes. 45 minutes. His wife, who is a nurse woke up in the morning, noticed he wasn't breathing, had no heartbeat. She called 911. They sent paramedics, tried to revive him all the way to the hospital, worked on him for half an hour at the hospital. And they said, you know, eventually you have to just call it. You say, there's nothing. They, they zapped him. They gave him the adrenaline. They did everything they do on their code cart. And uh, they, he just said, well, better let the family say goodbye. And when the son came in, He pointed and shouted at his father, Dad, you can't die today. Of course, he was just distraught. And then there was a little beep on the monitor. And he said, look, I saw something. A minute later, it did it again. They said, wow, what was that? And so they thought there's a flicker. And they went to work on him, and soon they got his heart going again. And the amazing thing is there was no negative results? It's incredible. He had had no—usually, there's all kinds of pain and aches from the chest compressions and from the drugs and— no heart damage, no cholesterol. He had no heart disease. He was 37. Woke up and said, I feel fine. And they, so the doctor said, this is a miracle. He'd never seen that before. But the thing that was really interesting is usually you hear a story about that, Who someone out that long, and the news is then going to say, and he went to heaven for half an hour and came back and he saw everybody, or he went to hell and came back and wrote a book and did a bunch of videos. And We forget there's so many people that when they die, they don't have these near-death experiences. But why do so many people have these experiences? Now, I don't want to discount that someone may, you know, the Lord could speak to him through a dream or vision. God could do that for anyone. But I know people that are getting their theology about death from somebody's near-death experience. But science has done a number of studies where they have shown that when a person's heart stops beating and their brain is robbed of oxygen... It is extremely common for them to hallucinate. A uh, few things cause it. Actually, the dying of brain cells causes hallucinations, they've discovered. And when pilots pull too many Gs, they can pass out because there's not enough blood to the brain. It's very common. As a matter of fact, they studied 1,000 cases, and these pilots that pass out. When the uh, pilot is pulling too many Gs, the co-pilot's in the back, and he doesn't have his pressure suit up, and he loses consciousness. And they have euphoria, tunnel vision, out-of-body experiences, dreamlets, beautiful places. (laughs) and They go through a lot of the... They see old friends and have conversations. And it's almost identical to people who say, well, I I had an experience. Now, the interesting thing is around the world, when people have near-death experiences, people in America who have a Christian background, they often have a Christian-themed near-death experience. They see Jesus and whatever, you know. People in... India, they might see Krishna. And if you go to Thailand, they say, oh yeah, I I nearly died and Buddha spoke to me. And it's like whatever's already in their brain, they hallucinate with. I'm just appealing to our friends out there, when you want to find out what happens when a person dies, please do not base your theology on somebody's experience when they die on the operating table or in a car accident or whatever, you know, the, the situation might be. Because we don't get our theology from somebody has a dream and writes a book or says I had this experience because they all contradict each other and some people have a near-death experience and they say I was in a tunnel and there were two lights and there's a blue light and this voice says if you want to be a boy in your next life you go life you go through this door and then you go through the pink door if you want to be a girl and people have all kinds of crazy dreams so don't get your theology from someone's near-death experience. And if you want to know more about it, we've got a premium offer. Listen up, because we haven't offered this before. We've got a magazine. It's a new one that Amazing Facts developed, and it's dealing
2: with the subject of what happens when a person dies. It's called The Afterlife Mystery. And then the subtitle is Decoding Death, Hell, and Eternal Life. And as Pastor Doug mentioned, we haven't offered this for free before, but we're doing that this evening. So if you'd like to learn more about this important subject, and there's a lot of Uh, discussions about ghosts and death and what happens when a person dies. Well, this magazine addresses these from a biblical perspective. What does the Bible say on the subject? It's called The Afterlife Mystery, and we'll be happy to send it to anyone who calls and asks. The number is uh, 800-835-6747. That is our resource phone line. Just call that number and ask for our free offer tonight. It's called The Afterlife Mystery, the magazine. One more time, that's 800-835-6747. And if you have a Bible question, our phone line to the studio is 800-463-7297. And with that, we're going to go to our first caller this evening. We've got Chris listening in Florida. Chris, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you so much, Pastor. Good evening. Evening. Thanks for calling.
3: I just have a question about uh, Bible translations. Uh, King James Version uh, from 1611, Right. Right. Uh, versus uh, uh, Douay-Rheims, 1602, whatever it was. Uh, Which one is more accurate, and uh, which one we should go by?
1: You said the King James, and what was the other version you mentioned? Douay-Rheims? Oh, the the Douay-Rheims version. Yeah, that's the the Catholic Bible. Well, I would go with the King James, if it's a choice between the two, because the Douay or the Catholic Bible has a number of what we would call apocryphal books that are included, that are not in the traditional Christian or or Protestant. Um, They're they're viewed as suspicious. Uh, They're books that are not referenced by any other Bible author. They seem to appear in history. Now, the Maccabees has some good historical information, but I'm talking about some of the other apocryphal books that you find uh, between the Testaments. So I would stick with the King James Version. King James, New King James, they come from the Textus Receptus. Uh, Those would be your... I think you're safer versions. But Martin Luther
3: King translated the Romans. It's a part of King James version, right?
1: Yeah. Now you don't mean Martin Luther King. He's the preacher. You mean Martin Luther. Uh, Martin Luther did trans. He did a, a German translation of Romans. The you know Book of Romans that we have in our English Bibles. I think it's based upon Wycliffe and Tyndale's early translations and the King James translators. Uh, expanded on that. But you know, Pastor Ross, I think we've got a book that talks about the Bible that we'd be happy to send a free copy to Chris. Yeah, it's a book called The Ultimate Resource. It's all about the Bible and
2: different translations, where they come from. We'll be happy to send this to anyone who calls and asks. Again, the book's called The Ultimate Resource. And the phone number is 800-835-6747. 800-835-6747. Ask for the book The Ultimate Resource. We've got Bill listening in Illinois. Bill, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Doug, Pastor John, how are you this evening? Doing
3: great. Great. I have a question.
2: I wanted to know,
4: I'm reading the King James Version Bible, and I wanted to know if you can explain Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 2.
1: Yeah, it it says there that someone of illegitimate birth shall not enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the 10th generation, none of his descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord. You're wondering, why would why would it uh, say that someone who's illegitimate, it's not their fault, why should they not be able to enter the assembly of the Lord, and even for generations?
5: Right.
1: Well, you know, I've wondered about that, just to be honest. I think the reason that God did that is he was emphasizing to the people how important it was to have the marriage covenant, that as soon as society starts to act like it doesn't matter then it sends a message to parents. But the parent's decision, or a man and a woman's decision to procreate outside of marriage has ramifications even for the children. Now, there's no record. You know, there's some pretty stern ideals that you find in Deuteronomy Then you don't later see any record of it being enforced. For example, it says a Moabite was not to enter the congregation of the Lord. Well, Ruth was a Moabite. And, of course, her grandson, great-grandson, was David. And he built a temple. And then Jephthah, who was illegitimate, he was a judge. So I think God is sending a signal here that when they came to the temple, and this may be more specifically Pastor Ross talking about the people who are to uh, be participating in the sacrifice, because they had some pretty strong uh, rules regarding the Levites. But I have to take a look at that. Yeah, it's a good question, Bill. God was saying, you know, he felt he felt very strongly about families. Parents making that decision to procreate outside of a family could have ramifications for the offspring.
3: Uh, I see. All right, thank
2: you.
1: All right, thanks a lot.
2: Next caller that we have is Travis listening from South Carolina. Travis, welcome to the program.
6: Thank you, appreciate it. Good evening. Hi. My question, uh, Pastor Doug, is... Directed it towards you. Um, I was watching Prophecy Code a couple of weeks ago, and I heard something that I'd never heard before. And you said that the American Indians um, also observed a seven-day week or had a seven-day week, and that the seventh day they called God's Day. And I was wondering where I could learn more about that.
1: Yeah, well, it wasn't all the Indians. There's there were hundreds of tribes, maybe thousands in North America. But I worked for about a year and a half with the Navajo. I think it was actually the Sioux, a Sioux that told me before the Navajo used the word Belagana for a white person, before the Belagana came that um, says we had a seven-day week. Because they would divide up the month in four parts. And it technically, because they did it by the moon, and you got about 28 days in the lunar cycle, four times seven. And but it's it's not exactly 28, but they they just uh, rounded it out, and they would divide up their month in sets of seven. Now, like I said, you go down to the Inca, you're going to find different calendars, and if you talk to the Aztec, but there were American Indian tribes that had seven-day week. So if you want to know more about it, I I just say search the internet, and hopefully you can find something there.
6: Okay, appreciate it.
1: All right, hey, thanks a lot.
6: You're welcome.
5: Thank you. If you enjoy hearing solid biblical answers on Bible Answers Live, you can have those same insights at your fingertips through the Amazing Facts Prophecy Study Bible. The updated hardcover version is available at its lowest price ever and includes the complete set of Amazing Facts 27 study guides plus a Bible numbers and symbols chart, and eight pages of colorful maps. This best-ever Bible gives you a biblical cyclopedic index, words of Christ in red, chronology of the Old Testament, along with Doug Batchelor's How to Study the Bible feature, and much more. Call us at AF Bookstore to learn more about it at 1-800-538-7275. The Amazing Facts Prophecy Study Bible stands apart from other Bibles, giving you the same solid answers you hear each week on Bible Answers Live. Order your copy today at afbookstore.com or by calling 1-800-538-7275. For life-changing Christian resources, visit afbookstore.com. What if you could know the future? What would you do? What would you change? To see the future, you must understand the past. This intriguing documentary, hosted by Pastor Doug Batchelor, explores the most striking Bible prophecies that have been dramatically fulfilled throughout history, Kingdoms in Time. For more
0: information, visit KingdomsInTime.com. You're listening to Bible Answers Live. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. If you'd like answers to your Bible-related questions on the air, please call us next Sunday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific Time. Call us at one 800
2: god Says. Next caller that we have is, uh, let's see, we've got, uh, let's go to Calvin in Thousand Oaks, California. Calvin, welcome to the program.
3: Well, hello. Thank you for taking my call. Um... I just had a question on First John chapter five verse sixteen.
1: Okay, we're going there. All righty. And your question is?
3: Okay, so in the verse, it mentions something about that there is a sin that not that does not lead to death. But then in Romans chapter six verse twenty three, it says, "For the wages of sin is death." And so I was just wanting to uh, understand that verse a little bit more.
1: Even though it says the wages for sin are death, we can be forgiven. For most sin, the Bible says there is one sin, uh, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, for which there is no forgiveness. If we grieve away the Holy Spirit, we lose the capacity to repent, and then there's no forgiveness. And this is a tough verse, but I think most people are thinking, and scholars that John is referencing here, the unpardonable sin. When a person commits the unpardonable sin, he said, you don't even need to pray about it. (laughs) You know, that person... There's some people that have just totally rejected the Lord. You know, it's like the Pharaoh of Egypt. Uh, He just hardened his heart and grieved away the Holy Spirit. King Saul, God would not speak to him anymore. And he ended up killing himself. Jesus told Judas it would be better that that man was not born because he, he finally, you know, even though Jesus went to wash his feet, he walked out and betrayed Christ. A person can get to the point where they reach that point of no return, Most people listening right now have not done that because you usually have no appetite for spiritual things at that point.
3: Mm -hmm. Okay. I see.
1: So it's speaking of, I think it's talking about the unpardonable sin. And I was just going to say that if you'd like, I have a book I can send you and it's called, you know, what is the unpardonable sin? And I think it references this verse in there. If you'd like a free copy. All right, thanks for your call,
2: Calvin. The number to call is 800 835 6747. That is the resource phone line. And ask for the book, What is the Unpardonable Sin? Again, that's 800. This is for anyone, 835 6747. And ask for the book called What is the Unpardonable Sin? Our next caller that we have is uh, Ruth Ann, listening from Michigan. Ruth Ann, welcome to the program.
3: Oh, thanks. This is like the second time I called in a couple of years.
1: <laughs> well, thanks for calling.
3: You know, I I read, you know, I'm always, I I read the Bible. I try to read it like about an hour at night. That's when it's the best time for me to read the Bible. But I keep running across 7 and 70. Can you tell me what that means?
1: You know, I saw your question. The screeners put it up here and I typed in the number 7 into my uh, computerized Bible and the number seven appears 461 times in the bible so you are right it is oh, really yeah it is the most commonly repeated number in the bible of course you find it in genesis god makes the world in seven days right and then the number seven appears all the way through revelation where the last book in the bible has got seven churches seven trumpets seven plagues seven thunder seven eyes seven horns that's just the beginning. Seven seals. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of the sevens. Seven heads on the beast. And, <laughs> seven plagues.
3: Oh, I forgot about that one. Okay,
1: we're going to try and up each other too. I guess more <laughs> sevens out of Revelation. <laughs> it, it's it's a number that represents a complete cycle. It's God's like perfect cycle. You get the week, seven days. God seems to always do things in a complete cycle of seven. And he even said with forgiveness, you forgive seventy times seven in that uh, parable in Matthew eighteen, yeah, and seventy you know it's 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 ten times seven. The other numbers that appear frequently you're going to run into are twelve, ten, three, and I think forty you got like forty a generation a lot of forties in the Bible that represents a generation, twelve represents the church
3: oh, okay oh. I didn't
1: know that. You know what? Uh, I think if you look at our, we've got a, um, a website called Bible Universe. And if you go there, we've actually got a section, a tab that says Numbers in the Bible. So there's a whole study on numbers in the Bible and what they mean. Take a look at Bible Universe and you'll find that there.
3: Thank you very much.
1: All right. Thanks, Ruth I Appreciate your call.
3: Okay. Have a blessed evening. You too. Bye-bye.
1: Next call that we have is
2: uh, we've got Michael listening in Miami, Florida. Michael, welcome to the program. Hello, can you hear
1: me? Loud and clear. How are you doing?
6: All right, great. So, yeah, I, I suppose I like got a, a bit of a preface to my question. I've sort of been in this place um, uh, lately in my spirituality, I, I guess I can say, where I'm not entirely certain of how much of my faith, because I basically grew up in the church, I'm, I'm not entirely sure how much of my faith is based on, like, true personal conviction, as opposed to being based on just living... Uh, I guess where you can say like off of what people taught me to live, like, you know, just claiming to believe in something just because I was taught to believe in it. Mm-hmm. And I suppose off of that basis, there's really like a whole litany of questions that I could ask, but the one that's been on my mind lately because of my, of where I am in school, I'm a college student, a senior, that is. And I wanted to ask about Christians and, um and movies because I'm a, I'm a visual effects student and um my, the career path I, at least I, can see developing for myself is really toward the line of, of cinematic visual effects, and I've always also had like a a, a great interest in like you know, um, fiction and and well I'll just be upfront with it like comic book type movies and stuff like that. Um, I know this, usually there's usually this aversion I think in, in certain Christian circles about like the violence and all the other stuff that's in there, but I'm always like sometimes I'm wondering like is it just that a movie depicts violence or depicts Uh, certain things that makes it wrong or bad because I mean like in a story there's you know I I don't I'm not entirely sure there should be some aversion to depicting things like violence or because that that's um, uh, a part of reality I suppose at least for us now and yeah you know I I suppose I could approach this question many different ways but I'm just curious as to what your take is on on movies and and that sort of line of work
1: Yeah, well, uh, you've asked some good questions. Let me just uh, divvy up your question if I can. First of all, on the technical side, there's no question that God can communicate through the medium of film or digital or movies. Uh, We've actually got a motion graphic employee here at Amazing Facts, and we created a recent DVD. Kingdoms in Time. And yeah, we use motion graphics. And I've got a TV, but most of the TV programming I wouldn't recommend. But a TV, like a book, most books are not good, but there are some good books. The Bible's a book. It's a medium of communication. Uh, Most of what you'll hear on the radio is probably nonsense, but you can hear Christian radio. The movie industry, that technology can be used to communicate truth. Most of what's out there is not good. I don't go to movies because, uh, for one thing, I don't think it's a good witness. They're expensive, and, and most of what you would see there it's not good. And if there is something good, it usually comes out a little later uh, in a lot cheaper format. At the heart of your question, there's several uh, important issues. Bottom line is, the Bible says, whatever things are pure, noble, just, lovely, of good report, you have to apply that test there in Philippians to say, you know, is what I'm creating, looking at, is it something that Jesus will bless? Is it good? You know, just apply that. It's not because of, you know, some... Church traditions are great, but you want to really back it up with a biblical principle. And I think holiness would be the principle you would apply to whatever you do. Hey, thank you, Michael. We're going to try and squeeze in one more call uh, before our, our mid-program break. Pastor Ross, can we do it?
2: Yes, we've got, uh, let's go to Sarah in
1: Sacramento. Sarah, welcome to the program.
3: Hi, thanks for taking my call.
1: Yeah, and your question?
3: My, my question
6: is, um, so I know that you can be like 100% filled with God. But I know that he also says that it's not good for man to be alone. And so he created Eve for Adam. Does that mean, like, if you don't get married, are you always kind of like missing something? Did God see that there was something missing? And so he created Eve or?
1: Well, you know, certainly there was something missing if God wanted them to procreate, because that only happens through a partnership. But there are a lot of great people that were spirit filled and complete through the Bible that were not married. You know, going from Daniel to the Apostle Paul to Jesus. Uh, You know, in the normal order of things, for a family, it's best rounded out with the father and the mother. I think any father who's missing a mother will say, you know, this is difficult to raise children or vice versa, a woman without uh, the husband around. My mom largely raised my brother and I without my dad's help, uh, at least his presence. Yeah, so that's part of God's perfect plan. But I don't know that, you know when we have the lord he fills whatever vacuum there might be missing in a relationship that doesn't mean yeah you know obviously god creates people with a desire for uh, that kind of companionship right but it doesn't mean they can't be complete without it right keep in mind in heaven jesus said they'll neither marry nor give in in marriage and they're going to feel a hundred percent fulfilled
3: right okay great thank you
1: all right hey thanks so much You know, Pastor Ross, I don't know if we'd uh, be able to get in another call. Maybe we could mention our free offer again that uh, we're making available tonight.
2: Yes, it's the magazine called The Afterlife Mystery, dealing with the subject of death, hell, and eternal life from a biblical perspective. And we'll be happy to send this to anyone. It's free. The number to call is 800-835-6747 and ask for the magazine called The Afterlife Mystery.
1: Yeah, now we're not going away. We're coming back with more Bible questions. The best is yet to come. Just give us a call, 800-463-7297 with your Bible questions. We also like to remind people, if you go to the Amazing Facts website, it's just so easy. It's that word, amazingfacts.org. You'll find it if you do amazingfacts.com. If you go to, uh you might even find it, amazingfacts.info lots of information coming right back
0: stay tuned Bible Answers Live will return shortly would you like to know
5: God's plan for our troubled world and solutions for your life's challenges Beautifully redesigned and updated, Amazing Facts 27 Bible Study Guides provide straightforward Bible based answers that are enlightening, encouraging, and easy to understand, giving you real relevant Bible answers to questions like How can I have healthier relationships? When will Jesus come? and much more. Order yours today by visiting afbookstore.com or by calling
7: 800 538 7275. Can't get enough Amazing Facts Bible study? You don't have to wait until next week to enjoy more truth-filled programming. Visit the Amazing Facts Media Library at aftv.org. At aftv.org, you can enjoy video and audio presentations as well as printed material all free of charge. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, right from your computer or mobile device. Visit aftv.org.
1: The last words of Jesus should be the first priority for believers. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. And that's why we're so excited to let you know now that the Amazing Facts AFCO program is going to be available around the world through our online course. You'll be able to study this fantastic material on your computer, on your iPad, on your phone, on the go. The course is going to be based upon our best-selling Amazing Disciples book. This 175-page book has 13 presentations, but in the different segments, you're going to get the whole presentation from the actual teachers. You'll have weekly downloads jam-packed with witnessing resources. You can follow the 13-week structure or learn at your own pace. There's interactive lessons included with video presentations. And upon your course completion, you'll receive a certificate. Are you ready
5: to become the sole winner God has called you to be? Enroll now. Visit
0: AFCO.org today. You're listening to Bible Answers Live, where every question answered provides a clearer picture of God and His plan to save you. So what are you waiting for? Get practical answers about the good book for a better life today. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. If you'd like answers to your Bible-related questions on the air, please call us next Sunday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific Time. To receive any of the Bible resources mentioned in this evening's program, call 800-835-6747. Once again, that's 800-835-6747. Now, let's
1: rejoin our hosts for more Bible Answers Live. Welcome back, listening friends, to Bible Answers Live. And if you have a Bible question, give us a call. 800 god Says, 800-463-7297, brings your Bible question to our studio here on the outskirts of Sacramento, streaming around the world and bouncing off of satellites. You can give us a call with your Bible questions. And my name is Doug Batchelor. My name is John Ross,
2: and... Next caller that we have is Kelly, listening in Utah. Kelly, welcome to the program.
3: Hello, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Um, I uh, just want to know how I can help a friend better understand the fear of God. She says that when she hears believers describe themselves as God-fearing, she wonders why they should worship the same being they fear so much.
1: Well... Would you want to worship someone who is not awesome? When when you think about how tremendous and big, you know, people kind of overuse certain words. Everything's awesome now. They say French fries are awesome. And they've kind of taken away the, the impact of the words. But God is such a, a powerful, omnipresent, omnipotent being that, uh, you know, he's made the heavens of heavens. And to think that, You know, you shouldn't tremble at that thought, but you can love him. And that's the the dichotomy. As God says, you can come to him, I love you more than a parent loves their child. You know, children might feel some fear of their their father's strength uh, and his discipline, but still love them and crawl up into their lap. Jesus uses that word. He says, when you pray, say our father. It's that kind of a love relationship that sort of is a paradox where you've got the awesomeness of God. When prophets and others saw God face to face, they trembled. Uh, just the majesty of it all, the glory, the brightness. But at the same time, they continued to worship Him and love Him.
3: Yes, yes. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, it's a challenge.
3: I mean, I just don't know if, I, if she's just being blinded by being an unbeliever that she... It's not understanding.
1: Well, does she believe that if they're lost, that people go to hell and burn forever and ever? Because some people, it's not just that they fear God, they fear He's cruel.
3: Yes, yeah, she, 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 she says that He's cruel, that, like, why, if, if God knows what's best, then uh, for innocent children to be abused.
1: Why does He allow these things to happen?
3: Things like that, right.
1: You know, what would be really good is if you could either send her the link to or send her the DVD called Cosmic Conflict. It explains why is there evil in the world? If God is good and he's loving, he's powerful, why does he allow innocent people to suffer? It's a DVD that you can also see it online called Cosmic Conflict. It explains this battle between good and evil that God is loving, but there's an evil fiend roaming through the universe rampaging around our planet and once she understands that every good and perfect gift comes from God that God is not willing that any should perish that Jesus and God are love uh, I think it might change her, her attitude So, yeah,
2: I'd recommend that. Yeah, Cosmic Conflict. It's a great DVD, and I think Pastor Diego might be available on YouTube if somebody just types it in. They might be able to see it there. Next caller that we have is William listening from, uh, looks like, Pineville. Yes, William, welcome to the program.
3: All right, thank you, sir. I have a question. Uh, Could you, well, actually, could you explain to me Revelation 4, verse 8?
1: All right. Uh, Pastor Ross is our Revelation a resident scholar. You want to take a stab at that, Pastor Ross? <laughs> well, let me read it first.
2: Revelation 4 verse 8, it says, speaking about God's throne in heaven, the four living creatures, each having six wings, they were full of eyes around and within, and they did not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. So you're wondering who are these four living creatures?
3: Yes, yes.
2: Well, you know, you read on a little bit. At describes these four living creatures in a little more detail. It says the first is likened unto a lion. He has the face of a lion. The second has a face of an ox. The third has a face of a man. And the fourth has the face of a flying eagle. Now remember, Revelation is a symbolic book and the significance to the symbols that's used in the book of Revelation. It is describing God's throne. It's glorious. And these four living uh, creatures, otherwise sometimes referred to as seraphim or cherubim, you remember the Ark of the Covenant that was in the temple had two angels over the mercy seat. and The mercy seat is a symbol of God's throne. But these four living creatures, uh, they represent something. And some have seen it perhaps the illustration of the different phases of Christ's ministry. You have the lion. It's often associated with royalty or kingship and symbolizes Jesus before the incarnation. You have an ox, which is an animal of burden, it bears burden, it's a sacrificial animal. Some people see when Jesus came to the earth, he came to bear our sins and die a sacrifice. Then you have the man, and the man would represent Jesus, our high priest, now ministering for us in the heavenly sanctuary. An eagle often represents kingship and speed and power, and uh, folks seeing that when Jesus comes again, he comes as king of kings and lord of lords. So in these four living creatures, they see four phases of Christ's ministry, but it's part of the throne room, part of God's throne there in heaven.
3: Okay, so they're symbolic then, correct?
2: Yes, they're symbolic, but it doesn't mean to say that they they aren't these literal uh, four living angels or creatures surrounding God's throne.
3: Okay. All right, I appreciate it.
2: All right, hey, thank you so much. Appreciate your call, William. Next caller that we have is Zane listening in uh, Colton, California. Zane, welcome to the program.
3: Hey. Um, I had a question about I forget what part it is in Daniel, but um before um Babylon fell with uh, Belshazzar and everything, um the writing on the wall was a mini, mini I think it's mini mini, mini tekel eupharsin. And my question is, is that a language you know? Like was it Hebrew or something like that? Is that what the Babylonians didn't understand it, or is it like a language we do don't know at all?
1: Well that's a good question. Um Daniel was able to read it and evidently it it, it is Parts of words in the uh, Persian or Chaldean language, it may have even been a mixture of that in Aramaic, but it it was one of the Semitic languages. But the arrangement of the words left them wondering. Like the last word, eupharsin, and it says, your kingdom is given to the Medes and the Persians. Well, that that can be drawn from that word eupharsin. So these were words, but they're just arranged like Wade, Wade, um, wanting uh, Persians, you know, and, and so it's like, it was an utterance that didn't, a person didn't know what does it mean. And so each one of the words, Daniel says, he gives the interpretation, you are weighed in the balances and found wanting, uh, Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And so he tells, you know, what the meaning, meaning tekel you means. Now, this part of Daniel was written in Aramaic and the words
2: actually in Aramaic have a meaning. So the word mena literally means to number or to count. And same with tekel, it's got a specific meaning. So even though the word had a meaning, the question was, well, what does this really mean? What is it trying to say? And that's where Daniel explained it and was actually able to add to it and explain, your kingdom is taken away and given to the Medes and the Persians. Now, obviously, not
1: all of that is contained in the one word, but that's what it meant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he needed to decipher what the these code words were but they were from real languages
3: okay thanks that helps a lot
1: all right thanks appreciate your call and that opens up another line if you have a bible question we still have 16 minutes to go give us a call 800-463-7297 next caller that we have is uh, edna
2: listening from grand ledge michigan uh edna welcome to the program
3: good evening pastors evening thank you for taking my phone calls now the question that I have is Luke 8:31.
1: Okay? You want us to read that and then we'll talk about what it means? I would. Yes. All right, I'm going there right now. It says in Luke 8:31, I'm just getting there. Here we go. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. This is when Jesus delivers the the man who's called a demoniac. He was filled with demons. And Christ asks the demons, What is your name? and they say Legion and they, the demons, beg Jesus he would not command them to go out into the word abyss there. It's a translated same word you find in Revelation twenty for it's abusos, and it means, well, the abyss, the emptiness, the nothingness. You use this bottomless pit in Revelation. So you're wondering Could it be
3: like a, a a prison house for demons?
1: Well, in a sense, because uh, the devil's a workaholic, and if you give him nothing to do, the Bible's, where's that verse, Pastor Ross, that says, uh, in everlasting chains that Satan's angels are reserved in everlasting chains of darkness. It's either Jude or Peter or both, Second Peter, I forget. Yeah, these demons, if they have nobody to possess, Satan and his angels were cast to the earth. You find that in Revelation uh, 12. And if they have no one to possess, animal or human, then they're bound by circumstances,
3: and so with that being with that being said, then wouldn't it have been better for uh, Jesus to have sent them into the abyss instead of into the slime because they weren't subject to death? All they did was cause more problems. Go into a bunch of water and then come back up again. So I, I don't understand why Jesus
1: did that. I'll answer that. But
2: uh, Pastor Ross was going to read a verse and then... Yeah, just those two verses you referred to about change of darkness. It's referred to twice, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4, and then also Jude chapter 6, speaking about the fallen angels, talks about them being reserved in chains under darkness
1: until the judgment day. All right, Edna. So the big question is, why would Jesus answer the prayer of demons and let them go into the pigs where they caused all kinds of havoc? That is a great question. It's one of the only times in the Bible Jesus is connected with letting anything die. What happened is when the demons, and they figure there were at least 2,000 demons because in Matthew it says there were 2,000 swine, when they filled the pigs and they went berserk and all ran off a steep place and crashed down the cliff and and, uh, drowned, the Sea of Galilee is not that big. You know, you can see across it and it's surrounded by jewish cities. And if all of a sudden you have 2000 bloated pig carcasses floating in a jewish lake, that's what you call a toxic spill for for Jews because pigs are unclean. And everybody was wondering, what was it that made the whole sea of Galilee unclean with all these dead pigs? And Everybody heard the story of how Jesus set that man free. So the devils thought, ah, we're going to make it where the locals asked Jesus to leave, which they did, but they didn't realize it was going to backfire. And more people heard about the miracle. It's in all three, Matthew, Mark, Luke, all talk about this miracle of the demoniac being saved. That's why Jesus let it happen. And I also think there's a spiritual lesson for us. Uh, The Bible says pigs are unclean. And devils are unclean. So he took the unclean devils and he put them with the unclean pigs. And they were raising those pigs, not for pets, but for food. <laughs> the Bible says they're not good food. So he was able to kill several birds with one stone or pigs with one stone. So anyway, uh, that's <laughs> that's a quick answer. Thanks so much, Ed, and a great question. Next one that we have is Bobby,
2: listening from, looks like, uh, Virginia. Bobby, welcome to the program.
4: Hey, how y'all doing today?
1: We're doing good. And your question...
3: I just have a question because this man on Kent Hovind, he uh, has a lot of Bibles that he was explaining that before you can publish a Bible, you had to change 10% of the wording or 10% of the uh, verses or take 10% of the uh, books out of the Bible before you can get one published. Right, then they turn back around. He gave all the verses, and I looked them up in the, my Bible, that I thought it was a good Bible, because I just got saved in two
1: thousand thirteen. Yeah, all right. they're saying that uh, there's some verses missing from the Bible.
3: Yes, sir. I right, let me let me explain. C E V Bible. It's got in there uh, Samuel one chapter. 21 verse 19. I can't remember exactly how it says, but it it says the kings killed Goliath, which I know better than that. I didn't realize that until I looked it up in my Bible, that I haven't got that far in, in the Bible that I was reading. Yeah, well,
1: that translation of the Bible that you're talking about, I think it's a century version, You know, that's not a good translation. Uh, If you stick with the King James translation or the New King James translation, there's nothing missing from the Bible. Uh, There are some there are some independent characters. Anybody can print a Bible. And what I mean by that is anyone can claim I could go out and take a Bible and do whatever I want and call it the bachelor Bible. And it's America. You can print it. It doesn't mean it's accurate. If you want a good Bible that is sticking with the original manuscripts, then if you use King James, New King James, New American Standard, even the New English version, you'll have they're all the same. They they've all got the same verses, there's no missing verses. Yeah, you're safe doing that. You get into some of the paraphrased Bibles and they are they go out on a limb and they say, Well, there was this rare manuscript and it had an extra verse. And it really the verse doesn't appear in any uh trustworthy manuscripts
3: doesn't explain it from the bible he says god says do not add to or take away from my word and that's exactly what people are doing because of money
1: you're right there are people who are adding to and taking away from his word and it says in both deuteronomy proverbs and in revelation that is serious business matter of fact revelation says god's going to add curses to people that delete from his word you know uh, bobby we do have a book
2: called the ultimate resource i think you'll really enjoy it it talks about different translations where they come from what are good reliable translations we'll be happy to send that to you all you'll have to do is call and ask for it the number to call is 800-835-6747 and ask for the book called the ultimate resource that number again is 800 835 6747 If
5: you enjoy hearing solid biblical answers on Bible Answers Live, you can have those same insights at your fingertips through the Amazing Facts Prophecy Study Bible. The updated hardcover version is available at its lowest price ever and includes the complete set of Amazing Facts 27 study guides, plus a Bible numbers and symbols chart and eight pages of colorful maps. This best-ever Bible gives you a biblical cyclopedic index words of christ in red chronology of the old testament along with doug bachelor's how to study the bible feature and much more call us at af bookstore to learn more about it at 1-800-538-7275 the amazing facts prophecy study bible stands apart from other bibles giving you the same solid answers you hear each week on bible answers live Order your copy today at afbookstore.com or by calling 1-800-538-7275. Would you like to know God's plan for our broken world as revealed in Bible prophecy? Want practical, trusted solutions for your biggest challenges? Freshly updated and redesigned, Amazing Facts Bible Study Guides provide 27 Bible-based topical lessons with beautiful graphics and straightforward answers that are enlightening, encouraging, and easy to understand. Each study guide leads you step-by-step to real, relevant Bible answers for the most important questions in your life. How can I have better health and relationships? When and how will Jesus come again? And so much more. Don't leave the future to chance. Transform your life with truths from the Amazing Facts Bible Study Guides. Order your complete set today by visiting afbookstore.com or by calling 800-538-7275.
2: Next caller that we have is Abraham listening in L.A. Abraham, welcome to the
1: program. Abraham, you might have your phone muted. You there? Can you hear me? Abraham. Abraham. Hello? Yes, your question.
3: Hey, uh, hey there, Pastor Doug. I just had a quick question about uh, Deuteronomy chapter
1: 14,
3: starting in verse 22.
1: And you want me to read that for everybody? Yes, please. It says, you shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year, and you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses to make his name abide. And the tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil, the firstborn of your herds and your flocks, that you may learn to fear the Lord God always. Is that the part? or?
3: Oh, it's not that. Yeah, it's the first part. And then uh, I think a few more verses.
1: Verse 24, it says, And if the journey is too long for you, and you're not able to carry the tithe, or if the place where the Lord God chooses to put his name too far from you, where the Lord God has blessed you, then you shall exchange it for money and take the money in your hand and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses, and you'll spend that money for whatever your heart desires, for ox and sheep, wine, or similar drink, or whatever your heart desires. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you'll rejoice you and your household. That's the part?
3: Yes, that's the part. I wanted to understand that part there.
1: Yeah. Now, were you wondering about the part where it says you can buy wine or similar drink?
3: No. No, it was just the part about, you know, using the tithe for
1: something else. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because some people ask about the wine part, and they think, oh, is it okay to drink strong drink? Oh, no. <laughs> some versions call that strong drink. It doesn't say that. Uh, so you're asking about how can you take the tithe. They had, this is a separate tithe that was for the annual feasts. This was not the regular tithe. Uh, they were to take some of that and use it to give to the poor or when they went to the feast to worship the Lord, they could, rather than carry sacrifices with them, they could convert it to money. And he said, when you get there, you can buy the ox or the, donkey or the, ox or the sheep or whatever it is that you're going to offer. They'd offer it there and they'd be able to eat some of the sacrifice. So people used to get to eat some of their own sacrifice that they bring to the Lord.
3: Okay, so this is not uh, referencing the 10%.
1: Yeah, this is this is a, an additional tithe. I think that relates to the feasts, the annual feasts.
2: Okay, okay,
3: understood. Got it. Thank you.
1: All righty. Thanks so much. Appreciate your question.
2: Next caller that we have is Daniel, listening in Michigan. Daniel, welcome to the program. Oh, well, good evening, sir. Evening.
1: I I, I just have uh,
4: one uh, thing I disagree with on the uh, on the Bible. Uh, I I don't necessarily disagree with it. I've never really totally comprehended it. Mm -hmm. Um, For years, I've heard that we're only supposed to eat fruits, grains, and vegetables, uh, according to the Bible. And, of course, they used to use mullet for bread years ago, which is different uh, than wheat that has gluten and all that. But, you know, people thought that animals had a soul they wouldn't be so inclined to shoot them and eat them. Uh, basically, my question is is whether they have a soul. I know they're spiritual, but do they have a soul? Let me get to the point this way. If there is a God, which I like to believe there is, and he has not brought us this far to let us down now, you got to ask yourself a question if we all become civilized, the best we can possibly be in God's eyes, and let's say that happens, and we ask ourselves, why did it take so many thousands of years for human beings to get along with one another? And I think the answer would be that we were so sadistic and abusive.
1: Daniel, you, we need to put this in a question. Uh, we're running out of time. Yeah. Well, in other words, if there is
4: a higher power, if we look back and God has brought us this far, and the has brought us this far to let us down now. And we look back and say, "Well, okay, we're as civilized as we can possibly be in God's eyes." We would look back and say, well, "Why did it takes so many years, thousands of years, for people to get along?" And I think the answer would be, "Is that we didn't understand our animals the way we should have, and by doing so, uh, we would have uh, understand human nature much more."
1: All right. So now you, I did hear a question in there about whether an animal has a soul. And I think you're saying that if, if people are civilized and why are we butchering uh, so many animals and, and it seems like not to mention people butcher each other in war. My short answer would be that of course is not God's will. If you ever want to know what, and God, I can promise you does exist. If you want to know what did God intend the very beginning of the Bible, god made everything good good very good people were not killing the animals adam and eve they named the animals they were companions they were they loved them and even not only did god intend man to live forever the animals were not going to die they were going to live forever and the bible tells us in heaven the wolf will lay down with the the lamb the ox and the lion and the the fatling meaning the calf They'll all play together with a child. Nothing's going to hurt in heaven. I think that's Isaiah chapter 11. Uh, You're on the right track, Daniel, that, uh, you know, God is saddened by the wickedness in the world. The devil brought all kinds of pain to the creation. And God has developed a plan through the sacrifice of his son to save the world from sin and to restore the world to its original Edenic beauty. I think I sense in your question just the frustration with why there's the death and the pain and so many animals suffering. And here we're supposed to be a civilized society. Uh, I, for one, am a vegetarian. I think Pastor Ross is a vegetarian. So we're not killing any animals. <laughs> anyway, we anyway, thank you for your question. Uh, can we get one more in, Pastor Ross? I don't know. A quick one. We got Robert from Walla Walla, Washington. Robert, thanks for your patience. You're on the air. Uh, hi there. Hi, uh, Robert. We've got just 60 seconds. Can we do it? Uh, hopefully so. I've been waiting.
6: <laughs> Patiently, um, I was wanting to know uh, why. Or it's in, in John 5:19. Did God the Father die?
1: In John 5:19, well, God the Father did not die. There's I don't see anything in the Bible that says the Father died. You're talking about the verse where it says, uh, "Most assuredly, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son does." So you're wondering, does that mean then because Jesus died? the father must have died i would simply say that
6: that, that's what another uh denomination say
1: yeah no i don't believe that uh i I don't believe that this verse is telling us that god the father died the father no doubt was broken hearted through the death of the son but jesus isn't referring to that when he's answering this question and if someone's teaching that Unfortunately, they're off course. Hey, listening friend, I, I apologize, Robert. Give us another chance. Give a, another call for another night. We're running out of time for tonight's questions. want to remind everybody that uh, you'll notice we dedicate our time to answering questions. If you're blessed, if you're edified by this program, join us. You can go online to Amazing Facts and keep us on the air. God bless. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to today's broadcast.
1: We hope you understand
0: your Bible even better than before. Bible Answers Live is produced by Amazing Facts International, a faith-based ministry located in Granite Bay,
1: California. The Bible tells us that salvation, of course, emanates from God. So we need to know something about God to rightly understand and embrace salvation. Yet in the church today, there's a great deal of confusion about the nature of God. The Bible says God is one God, but is he three persons? Is Jesus also eternal God? Because Jesus is the Son of God, does that mean there was a time when he did not exist or he was brought into existence? Is the Holy Spirit a person, or is he just the force and the energy that God uses to communicate You know, I thought this was so important, I really felt led of the Lord to write a book on the subject called Exploring the Trinity, One God or Three. In this book, we answer those very important questions. We talk about the history of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, as well as the history of the Holy Spirit in the church, and how it has been much debated. This is something we really need to understand, because Jesus said, eternal life comes from knowing God.
7: Can't get enough Amazing Facts Bible Study? You don't have to wait until next week to enjoy more truth-filled programming. Visit the Amazing Facts Media Library at aftv.org. At aftv.org, you can enjoy video and audio presentations as well as printed material all free of charge. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, right from your computer or mobile device. Visit aftv.org.
0: For life-changing Christian resources, visit afbookstore.com.
5: Did you know Amazing Facts has a free Bible school that you can do from the comfort of your own home? It includes 27 beautifully illustrated study lessons to aid in your study of God's Word. Sign up today for this free Bible study course by calling 1-844-215-7000. That's 1-844-215-7000.
0: If you'd like to enhance your study of God's Word, visit our website at www.amazingfacts.org and sign up for our free Bible study course. And make sure to check out our online bookstore at afbookstore.com, which offers thousands of inspiring books, DVDs, and more to help you get the most out of God's Word. To take advantage of the offers you've heard on this broadcast, call us at 800-835-6747 or visit our website at amazingfacts.org.